Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Central. How are you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio for 10 years of the number one Irish tech podcast bringing you the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember as well as our show on air with RTE and online via the website or your favourite podcasting app, we keep you bang up to date on all things tech every single day with hourly updates and daily newsletters which you can grab for free at techcentral.ie Joining me as always is our editor-in-chief at Tech Central, it's Niall Kitson and actually not in the office today but you're about at the uh, Dublin Tech Summit, yeah? That's right, yeah. I'm, I'm chairing a fireside chat later, so I thought I'd come down and get a, get a sense of what's going on, maybe soak up something that I didn't know already. I think that is almost impossible, Niall, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, I, I do have something that I want to ask you about, is that uh, we've, got, we've got, I won't say the pitter-patter of little feet in our house, but we certainly have a new addition to our, our house, and her name is Alexa. Ah, oh, okay. ah, ooh, ah. Let, let, let me count the ways in which I can go, ooh. Uh. <laughs> now, listen, you've had, now, I'm, I'm going to be very, now, to, to be honest, okay, uh, I was uh, travelling the other day, I was going through the airport, and I saw it, and it was like 35 euro or something like that, and I just went, ah, here, give me that for the crack. Um, so Okay, so you got one of the dots, is that it? You it's didn't an echo, get the full size. No, one. I did not, no, 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 it's an Echo Dot, and it is uh, the latest version, whatever version version 3 or whatever. And so it's got the cloth grill around the edge of it. Apparently yep, this is very nice. Apparently this is and the thing. are you routing it through what what kind of speaker are you routing it through? Do you have I'm, a bluetooth one at home? I have a bluetooth speaker. I'm not going to go near that. I'll just I'll just plug it in somewhere. I've I I've not tried Alexa so I don't know if it's any good. I have the Google Chrome and this is kind of what are the Google thing me jiggy. <laughs> Google Assistant. <laughs> That's the very fella. <laughs> okay, Google. Hello. Hello. What can I do for you? So I want to compare the two uh, things, the Amazon Alexa and the Google. So d- what is it that, that, that Alexa does that you liked? That I liked? Well, bear in mind that when I got mine, I, I got a review uh, edition just over the, the Christmas period. So there, there is a little bit of season's greetings and, and goodwill involved there. I also got the tower version with the the speaker built in with, with the bluetooth speaker um and i have to say as a speaker it really is excellent i mean if you decided you wanted nothing to do with alexa as a personal assistant or anything like that as a speaker it is top notch like if you were if you were to be given the speaker alone you'd go oh thank you very much that's a very nice uh, present indeed now is so, it, it, this is the big unit that you're talking about not the dot yes yeah no not the dot this is the tall one so you have the dot so, uh, but I mean, it's all the same gubbins when it comes to the, the personal assistant. So th- this is this is really what you want my opinion on. Um, so uh, I found that the um, the apps or skills, as they they call them, uh, were pretty good. Um, the voice interface is really good. Uh, I found its accuracy to be pretty much spot on. And in, in the past, I found uh, Siri to be less than accommodating when I'd ask her something. Uh, and that's not in a, no, Niall, you can't have that kind of a way. It's just, just in a, can you repeat that or, or give me incorrect mm. uh, results or anything like that, which is really annoying because I, I think my you know, voice is fairly accent neutral. And I had friends of mine who I would regard as having you know, quite thick regional accents and Siri having no problem with that whatsoever. So whatever, whatever it is, I, 
I do for her. I don't, I don't, I clearly don't tick her boxes or whatever, but, um, yeah, I found it to be more accurate than Siri. Um, I found the apps to be pretty useful. Um, however, in the back of my mind, whenever I was using it, and maybe this is a sign of the times, I was thinking, okay, I've, I've asked Siri for this. What is Amazon extrapolating from that information I've just handed over? Oh, oh, that will be an interesting thing for me to look at because I have to put in my Amazon uh, account details. Will it start offering me to sell me things that I've asked well, questions about? Well, that's it. When next you log into the Amazon store, are you going to start seeing things that, you know, maybe you had asked Alexa about? Or, ah, now here's something interesting that I hadn't thought of because I didn't, uh, I didn't, I don't think I used my Spotify through Alexa. Um, would... Uh, Amazon start recommending artists that I'd listen to through Spotify that were played on the uh, on the uh, Echo. All right. Well, listen. I think maybe that's a, this is a, a conversation for another day. Um, but actually, it's interesting because you've got Siri, uh, I've got the Google, and I'll try out the Amazon Alexa, and you've tried Amazon. So, so we'll do that another day. How's that? Okay. Yeah. So it sounds fine. I mean, I I, I think everyone knows which side of the fence we're going to come down on. Immediately, so it's pretty much, you know, oh, hang on, which, hang which on do a we moment. Whoa, whoa, pre-positioning. Okay, we'll put it on the record. We're on the air right now. Which side are we going to come down on? Uh, you're going to say Google. I'm going to say Apple. Uh, until corrected otherwise. Wow. Okay, um, well, we have a note of that, and whenever we get to that show, we'll open up by saying that uh, you're going to be the Apple guy and I'm going to be the Google guy, and Alexa didn't get a look in at all. Okay. Oh, here's a question for you. Yeah. Seeing as we're p- going to play that game, <laughs> what I would like you to do yes. over the next few weeks yes. is see if you can spot a time when Bixby was being used on your Samsung phone. Oh, I, I, oh being used without my knowledge, you mean? Yeah, or at all. Well, I can tell you, it's never used. I never. I, 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 and it pops up every now and again because I press the pause button accidentally, and I'm like, "Go yeah. away!" <laughs> <laughs> so you want me to deliberately use Bixi as, as as part of this uh, little trial? Yeah, just see. Uh, you know, actually, this is a pretty good trial. AI uh, in your phone. Which what's actually useful okay. to you and right. what just annoys you? Okay. Now, how does that sound? To what avo- class of to competition av- does that sound like? To avoid our broadcast uh, sounding like an editorial meeting, I think we'll move on. <laughs> 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 you uh, are at the Dublin Tech Summit, as I say today, and uh, this is a very interesting weekend uh, for you to be at the Tech Summit and to tell us about the person that you met and heard stories from today who's just like blowing my mind. I can't imagine what it did to you because you were actually there. Uh, but it was this very weekend that the second most famous phrase ever uttered in space was said. All right. The most famous phrase, of course, was Neil Armstrong. That's one small step for man. The second most famous phrase is said in space was Jim Lovell. Houston, we have a problem. Ah, okay. And it was April yep. the 11th that it took off uh, from Florida to be the third uh, moon landing. And within 56 hours, they'd cancel the whole thing and just concentrate on getting the, the guys back. Uh, so that's kind of an interest. If you want to watch the movie over the weekend, uh, it's very good uh, and it's timely. But you met a real, live, honest to God, not only astronaut, but possibly the most famous astronaut 
Aside from Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Mikey Collins. Uh, okay, let's not go nuts. I was in the same room and I listened to a talk. Okay, okay? Good, there, good. there wasn't any shaking of hands or anything like that. But uh, yeah, the keynote speaker this year was uh, Chris Hadfield, uh, Colonel Chris Hadfield. And um, yeah, he talked for an hour on the power of extreme leadership, which sounds like a sport uh, of some description. But no, what he was talking about was um, making yourself capable of making big decisions under immense pressure and making the right decisions. Okay, and so he I, took some examples uh, from his career and from other people's career in space. So are you talking about that, things like uh, Houston, we have a problem, that kind of thing? Exactly, and exactly. did he give, did he give the, examples? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, here's one that I didn't know about that was actually pretty pretty scary when you think about it. That exact mission with um, uh, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin and the third man, can you name him? Uh, but I, I've said his name already, Michael Collins. Michael Collins. Yeah. Um, not, not the Michael yes. Collins. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a real table quiz question. It comes up from time to time. Does it? Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's sort of like uh, the Donald O'Connor quiz in, in uh, Singing in the Rain. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, they take, they, he gives the example of um, Neil Armstrong uh, and they're flying the, the lander on the moon and the original uh, spot that they were going to land in, they discovered uh, was unsuitable. It was, it was too rocky. They got, their, they got their map wrong. So he had to make a decision on the fly as to where to land the vessel on, you know, the moon, which clearly hadn't been mapped correctly. Uh, and they had very, very limited resources. Um, to be exact, by the time he landed, he, he effectively had 16 seconds of fuel to work with. Those are the fine margins that that mission hinged on. So they found out that, okay, this is no good. So he had to take over manually and he had 16 seconds to make a decision that would decide the fate of the mission and, you know, space exploration as as we know it. So he he was looking at things like that and the sort of strength of character it requires to make those decisions. And uh, also, you know, little things like being able to deal with um, people from different cultures, uh, with different languages, uh, etc. Because the International Space Station is an international endeavour and if you're commanding it, uh, you've got an international team. You might speak all of their languages. Different terms might mean different things in different languages. You know, if we say grand, we mean things are generally okay. We don't mean things are huge. Um, like uh, like would be would be considered in different uh, different cultures. You know, we we have wonderful swear words that just don't travel, as we discovered. Um, do you do you remember um, Chief O'Brien in Deep Space Nine used to get away with saying all sorts just because they were they were Irish words? Yeah, like ah, sure, you're only half of the crack. Uh, well, he got away with a little bit, a little better than that. But uh, yeah, so dealing with a multicultural crew, sort of pushing yourself to be uh, to be a more effective leader in the things that you have to uh, uh, have to take into account when you're dealing with teams of, of different skills, and also just the fun stuff. Like uh, he was very famous, of course, for doing the uh, Space Oddity video. But did you know, lovely bit of trivia, that NASA always keep a guitar on the International Space Station? No. They always do. Why? So that if somebody wants to play it and make music, I mean, it makes it makes total sense to me, uh, the fact uh, that yeah, they thought of it. It's a, effectively arts, culture, music. They stop us from going mad. Yes. So, so from a very basic mental health perspective, everyone has that outlet 
just to be creative, just to step back from, you know, scientific thinking or engineering thinking mm. and just be able to appreciate that there are other things in the universe. And I it's mean, actually really good for our mental health. That, that is the ultimate, though, because, I mean, if somebody shows up with a guitar at a house party, I mean, th- the night is just legend straight away, especially if they know good tunes and everybody gets a, a, a cracking along. But to do that on the space station, I mean, hello. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a different thing. Listen, did he uh, did he mention anything in his talk about the the kind of things that inspired him as he was twirling around Earth in that little tin can? Well, yes. I mean, you you always go back to that uh, that moment, that Neil Armstrong moment, and that's exactly what he latched onto as a, as a child. Basically, I want to do that, and sort of he made his he made his life effectively. Uh, an exercise in getting to be that guy. Mm. Uh, and in the end, the end he did and arguably, arguably surpassed um, his, uh, certainly his uh, cultural influence, especially when it comes to being an evangelist for, um, for the space, uh, for the space economy. Uh, and also apparently he's working with SpaceX at the moment as well. So that's, that's kind of interesting too. So look, as a, as a speaker, if ever you get the chance to actually come in and listen to what he has to say, absolutely do it um if you haven't read any of his books total you know they're they're five stars as far as i'm concerned so no. yes well we, we've never a neither, day well spent neither, neither of us have met uh, chris asfield the uh, astronaut who you uh, were at, uh, listening to uh, speaking today at the uh, dublin tech summit but uh, he is definitely a hero of the show there is a, there is no doubt about that all right, Niall, well, listen, thanks for keeping us up to date on that. Uh, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go with uh, an interview that you recorded earlier with uh, Daria Ugornia, who is the CEO of Clever Books, a company that are looking to bring smart augmented reality books into the classroom. Let's take a listen to that. I guess when we look at technology in the classroom at the moment, we're thinking of fairly basic things like interactive whiteboards and to a certain extent we're talking about learning virtual learning environments as well. Um, Clever, Clever Books is looking to bring a different kind of emerging technology in, into the classroom. Tell us a little bit about it. So I will tell you about the generally the technology as we are part of that big move. So augmented reality is essentially a really interesting technology that combines something that already exists in the classroom, potentially as they bring your own device or one device from the teacher or anything of this kind, and helps get the new experiences based on that device. So what I mean by this is that you have an app, you have maybe some physical product, like a map of the world, if we're talking about the Clever Books product, and you have absolutely new experience with having, with having that objects that you can see only while traveling to the country like animals or different monuments or different people experience cultures something that you will have to spend a lot of time and money to get there and you have that all at your own table at any time you want so that's the new experience and i and we found that augmented reality is really a good technology to enter with the, um, the markets um, of the schools with the emerging technologies in first place because it, that it's really cost effective what I mean by this, you don't need any specific hardware or glasses or anything. You can use any mobile phone or tablet with the app and a product, if, if it is required, the physical one, to recognize the and uh, launch the augmented reality. It's a really interesting point about um, the apps or being an example of ubiquitous technology. When you're approaching uh, schools, uh, is there a little bit of a reticence there about 
having uh, phones in the classroom about people maybe getting distracted as opposed to going, look, here's a tailored experience that will engage your pupils in a new way. That's an interesting point. So if we are, for example, taking that all um, like a couple of decades ago, maybe it was a distracting element in the classroom. But if we are coming back to, the, to our presence, we know that mobile phone is an essential device which gives us access to the information out globally, to music, to photos, to anything. It just doesn't matter how you use it. It's like any tool. Like you have, for example, um, paints and the brush. You can use it in different way. You can paint something nice or you can paint something useless and ugly. So same with the mobile device. It's the matter how you use it. It could be used for playing, could be used for social networking, for the information search, or it could be used for uh, some educational technology. So if, for example, the school doesn't forbid bringing the mobile devices at school, why not to teach the kids how to cross the street on the green light? Because that's so essentially important, in my opinion. We are not always with the kids out there. And I think teacher could be the part of the process of teaching them how to cross the street when he's not there on the green light. That's one thing. But the augmented reality is so, um, has so many applications that you can use it actually with one device even in the classroom. There are so many examples for that. When the teacher um, attaches his mobile phone or tablet to the projector on the wall and invites the kids to play and everybody sees what the other kid is doing. Or he can showcase different, depending on the subject, obviously. Some subject you can play, like geography, social sciences. Uh, if we're talking about geometry, you can just use to showcase different uh, 3D objects, which are difficult to explain other, otherwise. So when you're developing this sort of new point of contact between the teacher and the pupil, does that change the learning dynamic on sort of a personalized level as well, that it's not so much a broad lesson plan as, look, here's a new technology, but it will work with you or this person differently or this person differently? It does indeed. And it's the simplicity of the augmented reality that is represented right now with different apps, like including ours, that is out there. It's just the individual approach, and it's your speed of learning. However, the uh, personalization point with augmented reality, even in the basic version, starts with the touching kinetic, touching visual, touching audio skills, and it helps kids to interact with the technology and the information presented in different ways. So it is a personalized learning already. And with adding different um, points on top, like artificial intelligence or um, multi-user interaction, that can bring the whole solution to the new level. I mean, it could be at some point, like maybe... 20, 30 years from now that the kids will have the opportunity to catch up with some material that they're missing in school or because it will never be a teacher substituted, obviously, by technology. Or, But there are different circumstances where kid, where, when kid is not able to visit the school, he will have the same level of opportunity to learn. And I think it's a massive, massive thing that uh, that is here to come. When we were talking about augmented technology, where you're actually not talking about it as sort of a, a tool standing on its own. You use an awful lot of bridging technologies as well, partially because you're based in Ireland, but you operate in other markets as well. So tell us a little bit about how you're integrating sort of free and open source software as well. So that's an interesting question because we're looking at different modules and we see what could be used in terms of benefiting and enlarging the capabilities of the technology itself. What I currently see is the good opportunity for the augmented reality to develop further is different voice recognition techniques, is different um, artificial intelligence uh, connected to 
command as the voice recognition or search for the information or um, advice based on the adaptive learning, like um, understanding what the user has um, acquired as the information at which level and suggesting different types of repetitive uh, or other way of the angle, angle of the view of the material that uh, he, he learned. Another problem when you're bringing technologies uh, into the classroom is that you're very much reliant on the passion of the of individual teachers to become sort of evangelists, if you will. Are you encountering any pushback from teachers that look and say, look, this is an awful lot of additional learning for me when the outcomes are going to be pretty much the same? That's a good point. So before answering like this question and telling you the story on how I taught one of the teachers in five minutes how to use AR and she became really an advocate of that, um, I'm going to tell you one thing. Yes, there is currently no academic relevance um, as of yet, like proof that augmented reality is really the technology of the future. That is why it's called emerging. But this is something to come in the next two, three years, because I know there are different um, universities in the world doing the research currently to prove that this is the result um, of the same class doing uh, um, learning with um, augmented reality, and that's the result without. And they will compare the speed of learning and the uh, uh, material and information consumed. And now I'm going to tell you the story how teachers can be the advocates. So I was talking in one of the uh, conferences um, this year, and that was the conference where the teachers um, got together. It was around 100 people. And uh, I was a keynote speaker at the event, talking how you can use augmented reality for collaborative experiences. Before I started speaking, I asked actually one of the uh, like I asked the teachers to show to raise the hand if they've never ever in their life seen, heard, experienced augmented reality. So obviously, I've noticed the people. I noticed like uh, different age groups and um, and so on and so forth. And I thought, okay, I have the candidate or like let's say victim <laughs> to, to practice that so what I've done I talked uh, through the through the whole topic uh, we discussed what is augmented reality how it could be used we learned a lot and then I just dragged like literally dragged the lady in her 60s who was completely like saying no augmented reality is not for me it's not like I've never used it's gonna be like a shame standing there and showing something and I gave her a tablet and I said listen now you show how to use this app and then she started clicking through, and literally in 30 seconds, she said, like, but that's so easy. I said, so? Was it, like, really scary and difficult? But that's amazing. So I couldn't actually get her answer the questions because she was engaged into the app, and she was playing around. But then, like, after she stopped playing, I said, okay, would you be interested in getting that in the classroom? She said, oh, if I knew that something like this existed, then yes. So here, the main point, like, why we're delivering the courses of, on emerging technologies is to explain the teachers... This is the technology. You don't need to be techy. It's just the app like you normally use on the mobile phone. There you go. And once they understand there is nothing scary and they're not going to lose their face in front of the kids who are more advanced in technology than they may be, all is perfect. They became advocates. A point that you raised sort of uh, kind of obliquely there is in integrating so much technology into the classroom and getting people to think differently, I guess, in a more in a way more in tune with technology than, say, previous subjects. Is there, there is sort of a perception out there that increased use of technology in the classroom is actually funneling children towards careers in, you know, in STEM at the expense of mm -hmm. other careers in, say, the arts or uh, actually particularly the arts. 
how do you see this playoff? Do you th- do you think it's a playoff that's happening at all? Is it a bit of a myth? Not really, and I will tell you why. Because um, if you look, if you step outside the classroom and you look in your life or life of your neighbors, your friends, you will see how much technology is involved there. I mean, you can't make the classroom the stone age in that sense and keep on teaching the way I was taught 30, 40 years ago, my parents were taught, because the, the world is changing and now it's changing even quicker than it was before. And if we're talking about the arts, I was wondering, like, if STEM is really only for the technology and using the apps and, and all that, actually, no, because we have also a STEAM type of concept, which includes the arts. And you would be absolutely surprised how many apps, even with the augmented reality, which you can use to teach yourself at home with the augmented reality, how to paint. Isn't it amazing? So, And that actually helps um, kids when they experience technology in the right way, like I would say highlighting in the right and correct way, when they're guided by adults when, at, at home, when they're guided by uh, teachers at school, what would be the more efficient way to use technology for their benefit. They need to have the exposure at the earliest stage because by exposing them to different types of technologies, apps like emerging technologies existing for a while, we have the opportunity to build that basis for their future careers. And I think kids need to start thinking about their careers from primary school rather than from secondary when they're exposed to everything and then they are like shocked and they don't know what to do. And when they finish the school, then they finish the college or university and they're coming to work and then employer actually needs to invest again for training because everything that was before, like 15 years of studies, are actually wasted because somebody was resistant technology. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Daria Yegorina, the CEO of Cleverbox. That's our show for this week. Remember, you can get the lowdown on all that we discussed today and all things tech in Ireland with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from our website at techcentral.ie or, of course, listen to us each week online or Fridays on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Until next time, for myself, Dusty Rhodes, thanks so much for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.